to Graphic Policy Radio. This is your host, Elon Levin, and today we're going to discuss the best comics of 2019. And boy, are there a lot of great comics in 2019. So much so, we have a super jam-packed episode for you. Um, but before I jump into that, I, I wanted to just take a minute to show my uh, solidarity and uh, sympathy for our, our listeners out in the UK tonight. Um, you know, this is this is a hard night. And this has also been a really hard week for Jewish folks, for Palestinians, for everyone who believes in human rights. And uh, my advice for folks is that one of the things that I do that has really helped me is to get out and to do something in my community uh, offline, whether that is talking to uh, voters who might be infrequent voters, whether that is coming to a fundraiser, like lots of fundraisers happening this time of year, um, or whether it's volunteering at some place in your, my community. Uh, I feel like getting and interacting with other people is one of the ways to reaffirm our bonds to one another and help feel connected to each other. And that, that solidarity we have with each other is the only thing that's going to defeat the evil empire in the end anyhow. Um, but I really believe in you. And I think that the community we have with this show are all people who care about the world and who are making a difference. And, you know, if the idea of getting quote out there quote fills you with a feeling of dread and fear because you have social anxiety, do not fear. There are really meaningful things that you can do that might not involve talking to so many strangers. And I'm happy to chat with you about some of those ways you can make a difference as well. I'm always here to talk about getting involved in politics and activism. My Twitter handle is the easiest way to reach me. That's E-L-A-N-A underscore Brooklyn. That's Ilana underscore Brooklyn. Or you can contact me through graphic policy. I'm happy to hear from you. And remember that you are not alone. And with that... I have three totally badass guests joining me today who are all people with really encyclopedic comic reading uh, habits and a lot of wisdom to share with us. Um, joining me for the first time guest uh, is Sarah Century. Sarah is a writer of short stories, articles about comics and film, and many, many zines. She is an artist, comic creator, and filmmaker, as well as co-host of the weekly podcast, Bitches on Comics. I was actually just on Sarah's show talking about uh, the experience of being a Jew during Christmas and how it's all basically like being chased around the X-Men mansion by an evil alien xenomorph, like in the X-Men special from 1986, it was it. Um and it was kind of an amazing episode. Uh, so definitely listen to Bitches on Comics for all of their brilliance. And thank you, Sarah, for having me. And welcome to the show. Yes, thank you so much. I'm so excited. And returning champions, as it were, I am also joined by John Arminio. Uh, John is a longtime comic book devotee and retailer who peddles his wares at Comics Connection in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. Along with comics, another of his great passions is film, and you can hear him discuss that artistic medium on recent episodes of the podcasts Hellbent for Horror, Film 89, and 26 Movies from Hell. Welcome back, John. Hey there, it's great to be back. Thank you for having me. I feel like we have to sing Hellbent for Horror to the tune of Hellbent for Leather every time we say it. Is that is that the law? Uh, uh, Scott Bradley would love you for that, great. yes. Very I'm much happy so. to sing his theme music for him any day. And joining me is another returning champion, Chingy L. Gay, is a writer, comedian, and critically acclaimed ex-girlfriend. She writes about queer identity, nerd shit, and her weird sex life, and has been featured at MTV News, Out Magazine, Jezebel, and Autostraddle. Welcome back, Chingy. 
Thank you for having me again. I've read a lot of comics this year and I'm excited to talk about them. Yes, yes. So let's get started. I, I broke it down into a couple of different categories. Let's kick it off by talking about the best new series we've read this year. You know, for me, Die is one of the huge standouts. Uh, I had Kieran Gillen and Stephanie Hans on the show to talk about it. Folks can go back and give it a listen. Um, I think it's probably the most brilliant and meaningful new comic I've felt this year. Uh, and it sounds like there was a lot of other support for it amongst the listeners here. Or guests here, I should say. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've... I've been a fan of Stephanie Hans for a while, but I don't think there's been a series that utilizes her talents as astutely as this one. Like her ability to kind of imbue scenes with mood that doesn't necessarily translate to reality is so perfectly suited to the the environment of die, um, which I guess it, we we could say is a very deep dive into the world of role-playing games and how that relates to like modern culture, the culture of the people who play it, the psychology of creating these worlds as you're trying to entertain yourself and the trauma that could result from if you actually experience those things. And what does it say about you if you choose to make that your fantasy? I definitely, yeah. Um, I definitely want to say we're going to avoid yeah. major spoilers here. But I think it's fair to say, yeah. raise your hand if you cried during the Lord of the Rings heavy uh, issue of Die. My hands are... Yeah, that was... Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even a Lord of the Rings person, and I freaking cried everywhere. Um, because I care about working people suffering in war. So... <laughs> uh. <laughs> Yeah, and me, I am a Lord of the Rings and a Tolkien head, and I've had many conversations about the potential influence or the obvious influence of Tolkien's experience in World War One on his writing, and so seeing that so kind of beautifully illustrated in a comic book was mm. really meaningful. It's definitely been a big year for Kieran Gillen, period. I mean, I obviously everybody knows I'm a big fan, and so he crops up a lot here. But one of the other titles that a number of us really like are Once and Future, which is on Boom. Chingy, do you have thoughts on that one? Yeah, I really, uh, I really love Once and Future. Uh, I've only read the first two so far, but uh, just Kieran's approach to uh, British politics and history and like, the revisionist nature of it's really fun. I think Bridget McGuire is one of my favorite new characters of the year, definitely. Mm. I was reading it and I was like, holy fuck, this is a comic about Brexit and King Arthur. The second I started reading it, I was like, oh, it's like, it makes it very clear from the outset that it's about Brexit and like handles it in a very approachable way, I think. And I mean, you and I, well, I should just speak for myself. I am not an expert at British politics, but I was totally like right there. I am also not an expert about <laughs> uh, British politics, but I do know a little bit about Arthurian legend, and so I'm excited for it. Dan Mora was the artist on that? Yeah, Dan Mora is the artist. Uh, I really like what he's bringing to it. Uh, it's all, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he's fantastic. The only thing that I've seen of him is the Klaus series that he's done with Grant oh, Morrison, the sort of revisionist Santa Claus. Oh, wow, okay. Um, yeah, and it's I've been like, wow, who is this guy? He keeps blowing me away every time one of these things comes out, and so he's finally on another series. <laughs> yeah, he's also been working on the uh, new Buffy and 
I think just the new Buffy series at also boom and the art he's doing there. I just, yeah, I like it a lot. It's great. So speaking of art, that's really cool. I have been really enjoying um, all the art that I've seen from Ironheart. Yeah. Sarah talked to me about Ironheart. Oh my God. What a great series. Uh, I remember that it was something that people were so, so excited about whenever it first got announced and uh, yeah, it's just as good as I thought it was going to be. It kind of goes into Riri's character like a little bit more than we've seen, which is great. Uh, it's kind of just a perfect YA story, honestly. I think it's great. I loved it. Um, and I think it's like one of the better things that was coming out of Marvel these days. Like that's been one of the better series that I've read. I just love that they brought in Eve Ewing, who's like yeah. a sociologist yeah, from Chicago. Yeah, to yeah. write about a young black girl from Chicago, like in school and yeah. being a superhero. So many people too were just like talking about how she hadn't re- written comics before. And so that meant she was like unqualified for the job or whatever. But this is like the most classic comic storytelling. It's kind of the same as like, uh, like, you know, what early Spider-Man must have felt like when you were reading it in like the sixties or something, if you were a teenager, like to me, that's kind of like, you know, it has like those classic Marvel trappings kind of. I definitely get those vibes from it too. And like, back to what you were saying about bringing Eve Ewing on. I love that both uh, Ironheart and Miles Morales Spider-Man both got new writers this year who are both like people of color instead of just like Bendis writing these characters. And he writes them fine. He did a great job creating them. But like, it's exciting seeing like people bring their own perspectives that are similar to the characters into it. Totally. And Saladin Ahmed and Eve Ewing are both like really astute political observers. And I always think that makes a comic more powerful, frankly, because <laughs> these are people who are really like understanding and thinking about the world around them. Yeah. And the way that um, Ironheart so kind of succinctly uses uh, political ideas in its storytelling to not be overt and to be just so unabashedly entertaining in telling stories of 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 Ironheart it's it's really kind of a a joy to read uh, especially because it does feel like kind of classic you know almost Spider-Man where Riri is able to kind of have her own world and she doesn't have to kind of be beholden to what Spider-Man is doing in New York because she has her kind of haven in Chicago. Awesome. But speaking of New York, Daredevil is still super hot and awesome. Um, I, I, uh, I have been really, really hooked on that series. It had a great year. Yeah, it had a great first year. I, it's funny because Zdarsky, like I've always really appreciated his humor work, and this is just not coming from that same place at all. I think he, he did a lot of like very non like he's very funny, but like this year he did Invaders, he did uh, White Trees, uh, and like all of them approach really serious subject matter with like a lot of like respect and also like intrigue. I don't know. It's been a really fun comic to read, and also like makes you think what's mm-hmm. sorry what's white trees about again sorry uh it's, white, I know it's him and chris anka but i don't remember i'm like trying oh, oh, let me think of how to describe it we have it under yeah, best uh, miniseries uh, i see yeah it's it's about um this former hero of a sort of 
high fantasy type uh, world war um, kind of gets drawn back in to hunt for um, his escaped or missing son and one of his former colleagues uh, his daughter has ran off with that son um, but there is more to yeah, the story. To keep it spoiler light, there's a lot it, yeah. to the story. Yeah. Um, Chris Anka's art on it is amazing. There is full frontal nudity in that. Yeah. I will tell you that right yes. now. There's that's a not a spoiler. That's full that's frontal <laughs> monster wing, and it's beautiful. So, <laughs> yeah, and the storytelling mileage uh, Anka and Darcy get out of two issues is amazing. I was actually kind of apprehensive about what they were going to do. Like, how how are they going to build a, a entire fantasy world and tell a story in two they issues. Did it. And they did Yeah, no, it it's off. very, very complete. Yeah. Like, I hesitated to call it a mini-series. I'm like, does this technically count as a graphic novel instead since it's just two big-sized issues? But, yeah, no, it's... Uh, those two issues tell a lot of story. Cool. Um, back to best new series is... Uh, Chingy, do you want to talk to me about SFSX, a.k.a. Safe Sex? I would love to talk about Safe Sex. Uh, it's definitely my favorite series of the year, the favorite new series of the year so far. Uh, Tina Horn is traditionally known for uh, journalism and writing about sex work and also has a history doing uh, porn. And it's really amazing getting to see someone with that kind of history write a story about sex workers and sexual repression in America. And like, not only that, but the like, s- the sexual gentrification of San Francisco. I interviewed her uh, at Jezebel about it. And yeah, it's just, we come from similar backgrounds and it's really interesting uh, getting to see someone with a background in sex work write about it. Cause that's so rare and it's yeah yeah i'm loving seeing how uh civilians are enjoying it so many people i see are enjoying it and it's it's yeah i i love it a lot i can't wait to check it out it's really at the top of my list there's so many like little uh references to san francisco sex culture and also like sex work and porn and all of these things and but still like even if you don't get those it is a very engrossing story about something happening in america right now but set in a dystopia you know i i really wanted to read and be excited about money shot which was the new sort of sex uh work explorations in space series and when i saw just how standard the body types were and that it looked like all the sex was het in the first issue. I just said like, why would I bother with this? So I don't know if anybody here read money shot, but I, I, I don't know. I'll re- if somebody said it's awesome, I'll, I'd be happy to revisit it, but I'm glad to hear SFSX is like out there doing what needs to be done. Yeah. And this is a comic that like almost did not get released when DC shuttered vertigo and everything with that wing happened. So it's really great getting to see her do tell her story at uh, Image. Mm. I can't believe that Bat Wang is a controversy. Like, that's just embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. I, I was... That that made me so angry because I really did like Batman Damned. 
Um, it wasn't the best comic of the year because there's no plot. It's just Lee Bermejo's art, but I'll <laughs> take that because Lee Bermejo's amazing. Um, so for people to just like, ooh, Batwing, who cares? Just have you never seen a penis before? I just, it, just in case any listeners aren't following, that's Batwang, not Batwing. Batwing, yeah. I don't believe, is in anything at the present. No, unfortunately, no. And nor it's is just, Batwang no. for that matter. So. Um, speaking of dicks, uh, how is Conan the Barbarian doing? Uh, it's great. Um, um, and I'm bringing some real hetero energy to this conversation. Um, but (laughs) yeah, um, like I, I love Jason Aaron and I love his take on Conan the Barbarian. Um, and the way he's done this 12 issue miniseries is that he's structured it in a way that there is a through line through these 12 stories that he's writing, but each individual issue can function as a standalone oh. story. Uh, so it's much like, you know, reading Robert E. Howard, where you can go from different points in his life if you read his stories chrono- the way they're published chronologically. Uh, so it's easy for a person who is familiar with Conan, but not necessarily familiar with him as a comic book character, to just kind of jump in at issue 8 oh. if you want to. And I mean, the art's gorgeous. The it's managed to find new ways to tell Conan stories, uh, whether like high octane action or creepy, or or stories from his childhood, like tragic, heartbreaking stories. There's even some that med- that meditate on the nature of like man's nature, man's relationship to That's God. That's classic Conan, um, yeah. Especially, yeah, exactly. So it's it's everything I could have wanted in a Conan comic. Sarah, what the heck is Canto? Oh, um, it's just cute. <laughs> it's like, like a cute comic. Uh, I forget who the publisher is, um, but it just is kind of... Is it IDW? Okay, sweet. Well, good job, IDW. Kanto is just kind of, uh, to me, just a very heartwarming, sweet, like, go-on-a-journey kind of story. Like, it's all about this, like, uh, I guess, like, robot-like <laughs> character who uh, just kind of goes into training and tries to be a better person and has his quest and all of that. It's kind of classic storytelling, but it's just, like, really pretty and has all of these touching moments that I think are really beautiful. So if you just want to be, if you want your heart to be just a little bit warmer, then I would say read Canto. And it has as many literary references to Dante's Divine Comedy as it does to um, Return yeah. to Oz. So it, it it's it's really so it is really cute and adorable and heartwarming, but it also has this kind of real like very smart literary strand mm-hmm. running through it. So it's it's definitely yeah. worth checking out. And you also say that every single new Vampirella series is good. Vampirella, my favorite. I love her so much. Um, yeah, Dynamite has been doing so well with the Vampirella series because this was her big anniversary. Like she mm-hmm. was created in um, 1969, and. Uh, just had her anniversary. And so this year, I think that they really just kind of came out swinging. So you have Christopher Priest, who's coming off of his Deathstroke series, which was brilliant. And yes. then it's like he goes from that to Vampirilla, right? And then you have uh, Jordi Belair was writing a, a Red Sonia Vampirilla crossover. I believe mm. Amy Chu is still doing the, um, oh, uh, Betty and Veronica meet Vampirilla and Red Sonia yeah. series, which is badass. And uh, I like really hope that somebody cosplays that lineup soon. Oh, um, yeah. Because, come on. 
and uh, yeah, I, they did. They started up uh, Vengeance of Vampirella again too this year, and that story, like the first issue, has <laughs> this little girl in like a. I, it's like she's you know war torn, and then um, her grandma is just like telling her stories. She's like, I want to hear a story about the Vampirilla, mommy, or like whatever. <laughs> and so she tells her and it's so, so good. Like every part of it is so, so good. Um, I love Vampirilla. I've just been out here uh, repping Vampirilla for a really long time. But this year was just delightful. Last year they had one where she finally got a girlfriend. So she came out as pansexual and like now she has kind of a lot of different lovers, um, which okay, is also cool. Yeah, um, exactly. Everything about her is cool. I love this comic. And I love Red Sonia too, but like their team ups are really good. Huh. I am yes. intrigued. Yes, they're so good. I'd... Speaking of Red Sonia, I just want to give a big uh, shout out to Mark mm-hmm. Russell and the way he's writing Red Sonia so right good. now. Uh, he's. He has been doing things with properties that I did not think possible. So uh, he did Exit Stage Left. I think that was last year. year. Maybe um, yeah. the 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 um the Anna Rivera. Uh, oh yeah, uh, it's the Snagglepuss one. Snagglepuss Chronicles. Yeah, yeah. Snagglepuss. I, where where he, he he commented on free speech and and sexuality via 1950s theater culture and and the Red Scare and managed to do it publishing comics um in you know 2018 and so you take that sort of perspective and have him write red sonia and it's mm-hmm, awesome wow. and it's just and it's just as political as um as agnes states left but just with uh sword yeah, and sorcery. she's had a, a few really good years too i would say because right before it was like the amy chu run and then before that it was yeah uh i think like gail simone like there's just yeah. been since gail simone took over like red sonia kind of has been a sleeper hit i think happy to hear it mm-hmm. um and what is no one left to fight? Oh, uh, that's uh, Aubrey Citizen and Fico Osio's take on shonen manga, published but published in Western style comics. Um, and it's about a guy who, a very kind of Goku-like protagonist who has already won all his battles. And so, wh- what does a warrior and his compatriots do once all the wars have been fought? And um, and it does not go how you would think, um, but it really does deal with sort of like the trauma of spending your life training to fight and then fighting and then well, what is left of your life? Uh, and it's and if you look at uh, the artwork, it's so bright and like pink and purple. Uh, so to see that sort of theme explored these gorgeous images um it's an incredibly unique comic especially how it's approaching the sort of melding of japanese uh shonen and western comics um so the trade paperback should be out here pretty soon so i highly recommend it if you have any interest in manga I, at all i'm um, looking at a yeah, bookcase full yeah, of shonen manga really, so i'm really great. definitely gonna read that it sounds like if one punch man was serious yeah yes <laughs> cool that is it <laughs> um it's it's a much more earnest yeah. than one punch man well that sounds great i want to read that awesome in a complete whiplash i don't want to forget that uh 
one of my favorite comics of the year has been Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. I had artist Steve Lieber on in the summer, and he's just really one of my favorite guests. Um, I think that this comic is doing something really brilliant in having a really funny comic that's also doing creative things like in the formal structure of the book and in the storytelling that it's doing. Um, I, it's, I think a lot of times people forget how hard it is to draw funny. And this isn't just selling funny images. This is doing really amazing stuff with page layouts on top of it all, as well as the facial acting of the characters, which has always been one of Lieber's amazing strengths. Um, and the comic is like building out the history of Metropolis, including interesting class politics, uh, and has some wonderful Lois Lane built into it. And lots of Batman schadenfreude and just as a joy. Um, I, I think that Jimmy, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen should get an Eisner, like hands down. And I'm curious to see if it'll be taken seriously in that running because it's a comedy, but fucking love that book. And it's, and it's so great to see Matt Fraction back, like hitting home runs right in again. Cause I've, I've really missed his, his voice, uh, but, but yeah, but Steve Lieber is just, he hits it out of the park every page in this book uh, for, from turning Jimmy Olsen to a turtle to have him like generally scared for his life. It's, if you have any interest in comics, uh, comic book history or Superman or Jimmy Olsen, like, yeah, you got to check this book out. Yeah. And definitely Jack Kirby folks, like this is something I think Jack Kirby fans will enjoy. Moving to, let's talk about miniseries. Um... I was late to picking up Peter Cannon Thunderbolt, um, and it was only when I began reading it uh, that I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is like the Kieran Gillen and, oh, cripe, I'm forgetting the artist's name. I will phone that in in a minute. Uh, this is- Casper Wingard. Thank you. This is the- oh, so-, so it was only when I be- finally began reading Peter Cannon Thunderbolt that I realized this is Kieran Gillen and Casper Wingard basically doing Watchmen. And any comic where somebody says, and now we'll travel using formal travel by formalism is like going to have a bit of a soft place in my heart, especially when it's like having a queer protagonist and making a character that used to be sort of a throwaway racial stereotype actually compelling and selling it all in six issues. Wow, that's cool. But it's definitely a comic nerds comic. Like, it's a comic about comics. So not necessarily something I'd buy for a friend who is not, like, the kind of person who sits around thinking about comics theory. It is a little bit of Karen Gillan's sort of comic book discourse on Watchmen. Yes. Uh, but uh, I, I'm here for that. I know. So like, it's, it's great. Yeah. We're, the, we're really the audience for that. Um, thank you for talking up White Trees earlier. I'm definitely going to check, check, need to check that out. Um, anybody else here a fan of Archie versus Predator 2? The return of Archie versus Predator? Yeah, I love all of the crossovers of comics that don't make any sense. Any That's Archie fun. horror I've loved so far. Yeah. And it's so gay. Mm hmm. Like, even if. The, the comic is full of gore and horror. So if you can't deal with gore and horror, then, like, you can't read it. But <laughs> if you're saying to yourself, like, I don't care about the Predator, like, ask yourself, do you care about Archie? Sorry, do you care about Veronica and Betty being extra gay together? Because 
this happens. And you know, this has been their year for that, really. (laughs) So, so gay. Alice DeCampi is a hero to my people. And um, she wrote something really funny and really dark and um, a lot of fun. And and I did not grow up with Archie. So, oh, I did. Ah. Yeah, so it's fun seeing all these uh, new adaptations and putting uh, characters I knew as just being like a bunch of regular white kids doing regular old-timey white kid things, uh, like put in horror situations or meeting the Ramones or mm-hmm. Harley, uh, Harley and Poison Ivy. So, yeah. yeah, it's great. Yeah, I've enjoyed the Archie meets various bands that I like ones when I meet them, <laughs> generally speaking. Um, I have not looked at Spider-Man Life Story, even though it's massively critically acclaimed. Like, what what's up with that? I think that one's also a comic about comics. Uh, huh. It's like trying to fill each issue covers a decade of like Spider-Man's existence uh, and tries to fit in themes from that time with uh, Spider-Man stories that were happening during that time uh, and having Spider-Man actually not like actually age throughout it like in the 60s he's 20 in the 70s he's 30 by the end of it he's like 70 whoa uh so does that mean he doesn't wear crop tops in the 80s i don't uh, spoilers i'm i'm afraid so yeah (laughs) okay Uh, i'm so for 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 me this is sort of like chip zadarsky's year um and I've, i've been a fan of of his for a long time, but this is actually like my favorite thing he's ever written. Mm. Uh, I'm, and I'm not like a huge Spider-Man fan, but I just think he managed to to pull the, the strings of so many like Spider-Man stories and get some emotional depth out of them that like the, 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 he gets more emotion out of his clone issue than the entire clone saga. And it's like, Okay, Spider-Man gets the alien symbiote during Secret Wars, and then he it he discovers it's affecting him, making him not himself, making him too aggressive, and so he gets rid of it, right? But in this story, Peter Parker's getting old when he gets a symbiote. He's slowing down, and so this re-energizing mm. of his purpose and of his strength, it has so much more emotional weight that he has to give up this like fountain of youth that he's found in space um and you know and he comes back to find mary jane you know incredibly vulnerable and he has this tool now to protect her but he has to give it up and so to kind of get at the the raw psychological meat of that in six issues i think is a remarkable achievement and yeah like we said chip is so funny but when he really goes for the the heartbreaking story. I think he can hit it out of the park. Um, what what is Murder Falcon? One of our listeners um, said, "Talk about Murder Falcon." And John, you actually listed Murder Falcon. So, what the fuck yeah. is Murder Falcon? <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm sorry. I feel like I'm dominating the conversation. Um, but uh, Murder Falcon is about um, Daniel Warren Johnson, who did uh, Extremity. If any of you read that, that's also excellent. Uh, it's about this a metal musician named Jake who um, is very depressed, but a creature named Murder Falcon comes to him and says, you have to come and help me save the world from kaijus via your heavy metal. Uh, and so they go back, get 
Jake's band back together, um, play heavy metal, and destroy kaijus. Oh my god, I and have through never that, read, but that sounds so amazing. I have the first it, issue, and it's pretty fun. The art is great. Yeah, I love it. And it gets each issue, because the concept is so ridiculous, when it hits you with like genuine storytelling and emotion, it's like, oh my god, I'm about to cry right now, and I was not expecting that. Uh, and so... And just from a metal nerd's perspective, they have some of the alternate covers have been plays on Judas Priest Painkiller, on Dio, uh, on. Um, uh, <laughs> there's an even mouse theme oh, cover, God. even. So, so okay. yeah, there's there's some metal nerd cred in this yeah. book if you, if you read it. I am a big metal head, so you've got me intrigued. And then one last miniseries. Uh, I will shout out is Ghosted in L.A., which I just began reading by Cinna Grace and Siobhan Keenan and Kathy Lee. Uh, it's very much it's on Boombox. It's very much feeling like, a you know, a teen book. Um, it's about a girl who's starting Jewish girl who's starting college and is feeling really abandoned by her friends and finds herself living in a magical L.A apartment complex um if you like me grew up reading wheatsy bat this is has a little bit of that flavor um very sweet art and um i don't know i like the vibe and i'm excited to see uh all the stuff that cine grace is up to in his post marvel era yeah he just did a jughead series oh um, yeah the jughead series was good it was I liked really that fun. Uh, I wanted. Can we talk also about Silver Surfer Black? I absolutely want to talk about Silver Surfer Black. I love that series yes. so much. Oh my god! It was so, so. I think in the same way that Zdarsky had a really good year, I think Kate's had Donnie Kate's had a really really good year where he was writing. He made me care a lot more about cosmic stuff than I previously did. Uh huh. And Tradmore's art on it uh, just so knocked it out of the park. It's just all the prose. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love the part where he's just floating through space being really sad, which is all of the best Silver Surfer stories. Yeah, it's pretty depressing, opinion. but it's like hopeful, but depressing. It's great. I love it. And he's like, I'm in space. Things are sad. How insignificant the universe. Wow. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love that guy. Um, and in this, it's really fun, too, because he goes to a planet that he doesn't remember anymore. And they are, he's like, whoa, you're so aggressive. And they're just like, hey, you committed genocide here. <laughs> like, remember when you so killed everyone? Amazing. And then he's like, oh, no, sad feelings. <laughs> and I'm like, so this he's America? is my favorite. Is Pretty the Silver Surfer America? Um, except for if like uh, America had ever grown to feel remorse for literally anything it's ever anything done. Anything it ever done. We've got to know. <laughs> so no he's not <laughs> yeah the, uh, um, i i love the silver surfer black I, it's it's so it's so just insane and Tradmore's style of just we're gonna draw this because it's awesome it doesn't have to make mm-hmm. sense but if, if this looks like some sort of mid-century mid-20th century abstract art painting of silver surf well that's how the action scene is going to play out Totally. He reminds me kind of of like Tim Sale meets like Mike Allred or something. The way that the series looked was kind of the mix of the things that I really like from both of those artists. Yeah. And like my intro to Tradmore was uh, his like when he first drew uh, Robbie Ray's uh, yeah. ghostwriter. So this was like seeing this after only seeing him do that mm-hmm. was just such a drastic from like like 
cartoonish slick style to like just as you said like an abstract painting where the silver surfer is just floating and being sad it was great yes the fight scenes like are abstract and surreal i yeah i loved it uh he did a series last year with alex cott called new world that has a lot of political parallels with um safe sex it's not as sex focused but there are similarities so if you like treadmore's art and the politics of safe sex i recommend the new world i will definitely i think i have the i do a thing where i will buy a lot of comics and then wait a long time to read them i will read that tonight (laughs) awesome and with great beginnings must also come Great endings. Oh, this man. has been a big year for major series ending. Um, Wicked, you know, the Wicked and the Divine, uh, concluded its mighty run. I, I think it's incredibly powerful. Uh, the, you know, I, I don't think it's a spoiler to tell you what is on the cover of the final issue. Um, the fact that the cover of the final issue is the portrait of one of the le- of the lead character as an older woman is like radical. Like that was the only old woman's face on the stands that happened and i think like with the message of the comic in general in terms of like aging that was a really powerful piece of art to leave us with um and uh we're really lucky to have had this really powerful art team uh with the you know doing this whole book together for so long and 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 so well constructed from beginning to end um sarah the other big ending we mentioned with Christopher Priest earlier was the end of Deathstroke. Now, I'm going to bring back the Graphic Policy Radio Deathstroke Roundtable uh, event sooner than later, but t- uh, give us a little shout out on the ending of Deathstroke without spoilers. Yeah, it was I good. Mean, I, yeah, it's great. That whole series was great. I loved how Priest's storytelling is so uh, his own, I guess. And so every time he goes into a character, sometimes it's like a, you can, you always know what you're going to expect because it has kind of those little breakdowns and he tells you what's going on at the beginning of the scene and then you see the scene and then he switches scenes. He does it all in like a different way than I see a lot of people do, kind of if you were watching reality television or something. So it just switches and switches and switches. And I think mm-hmm. that Deathstroke the most benefited from that because... I hate Deathstroke so much. Like, I hate that guy. Same. He's the absolute worst. Um, the first thing I read him in was the Judas contract, where, like, right. no no thanks, you know? Like, no. no thanks to his actions in the Judas contract. Um, so, not a fan of his. And then I read this book because I like Christopher Priest's work so much. And I was like, and I, I think I was writing an article about terror or something. So, I had to read a part of it. And I felt the way that they show how his family hates him (laughs) was like so good and kind of just made everything work because I read an interview pretty recently where he's talking about I had to remind DC that this is a villain that I'm writing like he has to do villain things Uh, seeing that through the eyes of the people whose lives he's directly ruined I think made it just such a better story here here yeah. Speaking of people whose lives are ruined, what do folks think about the end of Batman? Oh, God. someone else go first. <laughs> the are we t- the ending of Tom King's yes, run? Yes, the ending of Tom King's run. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm I'm a huge uh, Tom King fanboy. I have to admit, and so I'm I I, I 
I'm really loving. I'm still loving Batman. Like I, I love the way these stories are structured. Um, I, I love the the jaunt to, to the beach that just made no sense timeline wise. Um, but it, I'm still emotionally connecting with Batman, which is something that I've had trouble with in the past. And Tom King's found a way to get me to feel for him. And like I'm just here for the love story between him and Selina. That I think that's made it more interesting than any Batman story that I can think of. And so I'm, I'm very happy to see them back together, at least hmm. at this moment in time. You know what? I agree with you that I like that the uh, connection between him and Selina is like really making Tom King's run. And I think that might be a huge part of why I did not like Batman this year. Uh, Cause she was barely until the like very recently out of it. I don't know. Starting Starting the year with, like, three months of Batman having bad dreams. Just bad dreams that are, like, supposed to have meaning. But, like, felt like they were just kind of putzing around sometimes. I have really liked the run, like, of what I've read, like, cold days and before. But, like, I'm, I'm iffy right now. I think I love Tom King's work. I love what he's done in the past, but... This I think he had an iffy year with a couple titles with Heroes in Crisis as well. Uh, Ugh, gross. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that just did not go as he hoped and we had hoped. Um, but yeah, Batman. It's like starting to get me again. I think the Hawaii portion was probably my favorite so far because uh, King's voice for uh, Selena and Bruce is just so good. But mm. I don't know. I read Catwoman and I thought it yeah, was really I, I, good, but I missed out on a lot of the Tom King Batman run this year. Um, yeah, I, I agree about the the whole nightmare stuff. Like, I think all those themes were cool, but in an ongoing series, it just felt like yeah, they were putzing around. Especially because I thought that the Cold Days story was so brilliant in exp- in showing how broken Bruce was exactly, Selena and why he might be a better Batman with Selina. Um, so to then go into the nightmare stuff, it felt like they killed the momentum of, of his. Yeah. It was like cold days, the spawn of Rick Grayson and then Oof. nightmares and city of Bane has been, there've been like issues I liked, but like it did. Then dreams felt like, because it was intended to be a hundred issue run, it especially made it feel like just killing time. Hmm. On the opposite end of the spectrum, we have the ending of Shuri. Sarah, talk to me. That whole series was really good. Was I so enjoyed good. every part of it. I who was that from? Um, uh, uh, <laughs> famous writer. <laughs> That's okay. We'll come back. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Was it N.K. Jemsen? No. <laughs> okay, I give up. It's uh, Nettie, uh, Nettie uh, Okorafor. Thank you. Who is a doctor. Yes. Shit. Dr. Nettie Okorafor. Cool. Yeah, it was its kind of own standalone thing in a way that I didn't really expect because a lot of times whenever these kind of shorter, I think it, it only ran, I think maybe 10 issues. It wasn't that long. Yeah, it was pretty short. She had to move along to do other projects. Uh, but yeah, it was kind of just a self-contained story. There wasn't a lot of guest spots. It, they didn't uh, lean too heavily, I guess, on T'Challa. 
T'Challa's gone. He like leaves at the very beginning of the book, and that's good. <laughs> it kind of <laughs> helps the focus be better on Shuri. And so that, I don't know, the whole thing was really good. I highly recommend it. Yeah, it started with art by uh, Leonardo Romero, who did uh, that Hawkeye, Kelly Thompson's Hawkeye series, which I loved. And it's another, I thought it was so fun, uh, the way that Okorafor looks at, like, uh, Wakanda's relationship to the rest of Africa. And also just, like, is able to, like, flesh out Shuri as a character. Mm-hmm. It was so fun. And she had fun I, tech, too. Yeah, and her interactions with... There was, like, the Ironheart issue mm-hmm. that I really enjoyed. That was fun. Yeah, it was great. And speaking of an end of an era, we had the end of Unbeatable Squirrel Girl and the end of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, which were two bo- both really just, like, game-changing, all-ages, female-at-the-front comics that you know so many people i knew bought who didn't really buy anything else and so many people i knew bought for their kids how do folks feel about the endings of those series yeah (laughs) that series is incredible and uh it's kind of just more of the same i mean obviously the art changed from henderson to charm but just you know i believe ryan north was the writer of the entire saga so taking that from one to 50 you know it's basically just like the run that anybody could possibly dream of if you get to go that long on a series Uh, especially one that was so so dismissed and people were very aggressive towards it kind of in the beginning and just like you know people um, focus on Henderson's art a lot you know like there's there's been some issues with it as far as general fandom goes Um, but it kind of just proved that those people are jerks because Mm -hmm. (laughs) the series was so so good and fun and you really enjoy reading about somebody who isn't just your standard superhero, but who has kind of those same qualities, right? Yeah. I, I was, when I was like thinking of what I was going to say about this series, I actually like started to get emotional. Like, Oh my God. I've, I've been fortunate to have like known who Ryan North is since I was in college when he started doing dinosaur comics. So to be able to follow his career through, like, writing Adventure Time and uh, uh, Midas Flesh up, uh, and up until Squirrel Girl has been such a joy for me. And then to see him sort of give him and Erica Henderson, who's amazing, uh, give sort of life to this cast of characters has just been, you know, such a joy. And the book is so funny. It's it's so jam-packed. It, it's really... A, comic book that's worth your money because it takes like three times as long to read because there's so many jokes and to for it to be able to tell like computer science jokes in the series and then you know at at the end you see like six-year-old girls cosplaying as as squirrel girl and then to hear like the the women in my life talk about how wonderful it is to like see a mainstream superhero who looks like them with like an actual body type of a human female (laughs) Um, so it's it's just been this consistent source of happiness in comic books over the past 50 slash 58 issues and a graphic novel. Uh, so yeah, three cheers for Squirrel Girl. Yeah. I wish that, um, I really do wish that like Unbeatable Wasp, Unstoppable Wasp had been given the space to sort of continue and grow. Speaking of things about girls and science. It was good. <laughs> yeah. I really liked Unstoppable Wasp, but even, but back to uh, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Yeah, I just like, the comedy of that, com- that is like the best comedy I've seen done in comics in so long. And it's a style that is so 
specific to that comic and just there were just so many good stories uh it's fun seeing a superhero who doesn't always like fight bad guys and just like comes up with her own weird little solutions and they're great she's great and i will be sad if i don't see the characters from it come back like especially their this is a comic where galactus calls thanos a tool it's so good and there's koi boy koi boy is great yes the only transmasculine character in the marvel universe yeah i i uh I got really bummed out this year reading Spider-Man alongside Squirrel Girl and seeing Craven behave completely differently than he behaves in Squirrel Girl, even though I know, I was like, no, they should really keep Craven the way he is in Squirrel Girl. That's where it's I at. Agree. I agree. Meanwhile, Moon Girl, I thought, did anybody else read Moon Girl? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's, as, as a retailer... That book was a godsend because any parent who came in with a child under 12, I knew I had this like secret weapon of Moon Girl. It's, it's this great, smart kid with a red T-Rex, and every issue looks very pretty. Everything's well drawn. It's funny, and she's this great character that's consistently and has her own voice throughout the whole series. And any parent, I could be like, this is a book your kid will like. And I was always yes. right. So thank you. Thank you, Moon And Girl. I loved it. I think that that was one of the very best comics that was happening. Because all of her team-ups were so good. They were. It was like non-stop team-ups through all 47 issues. I felt really strongly about the Fantastic Two team-up that they did. Or it turned into Fantastic Three with her. And then she gets reunited. I think that that was last year. But... This year was just more of the same. They, she ended up uh, kind of meeting Reed Richards head to head, you know, like um, all of this time has gone by and every time somebody brings up, well, Reed's the smartest guy in the world. She's just like, no, I'm the smartest guy in the world. Stop that. <laughs> and so whenever Reed actually talks to her and is like, hey, <laughs> like you don't have to fight with me. <laughs> like It's okay. We can both be smart. Um, that and she's you know can concedes to his point, and I think that that is all really fun. The all of the team ups were great. Lunella herself is great. I love reading a comic about a pacifist. That was great. That's kind of the same as Squirrel Girl. Like they were both pacifists, kind of, and they always were like prioritizing how to get out of a situation without actually having to fight. Um, Natasha Bustos, uh, I think, left as artist at some point towards the very end. So I'm not sure if she was on any of the books this year, but her work on Moon Girl, I think is always important to note because it was part of that visual style that really defined the series. And it felt so much like a a very antiquated version of Brooklyn that was so charming to read. It felt like the Yancey Street from like the original Fantastic Four. Uh, and and it, so it just felt good to be reading one of those books. I'm, I have not kept up with that book, but I I would be surprised to feel like it was that different from how a lot of Brooklyn still feels. Mm-hmm. I mean, in in my perspective, but we shall see. <laughs> Did anybody read Giant Days? Because that ending this year was like a big thing. Um, I didn't. I okay. didn't. <laughs> Moving along. No, uh, yeah. Uh, Sorry, giant days. 
uh, Oh Human Star, which began as a webcomic and is also something you can purchase from a comic store near you. Um, the creator, Blue Deliquanti, was on the show a while back. Uh, oh Human Star is ending, and I am totally here for the ending, and I don't want to give it away, but um, I really support the decision and the direction that they made with the, the way the book went, and um, it is just a really beautiful, powerful, and creative uh, science fiction romance that's not like anything else I've been reading. If you think robots are cool and that robots interacting with people and like what the meaning of that is, and you want to combine like the transhumanism with the transgender uh, characters, like yeah, read *Oh Human Star*. It's a it's really really good work. Um, and one thing that I missed that you reminded me of, Sarah, was *The Wild Storm*. Yeah. <laughs> that was really great in a way that is difficult to not spoil. <laughs> okay. Um, so just tell us that we should be reading it, basically? Pretty or what? much. I mean, you know, Warren Warren Ellis, like, if you have enjoyed kind of the stuff that he's been doing lately, because I feel like that guy, you know, I was reading his stuff in whenever he was doing, like, Excalibur and stuff like that, I believe, yeah. like, late 90s or something. So I've been reading this guy forever. And he just kind of keeps getting better and better. Like, you can tell that all of the different threads and storylines are kind of all coming together in his head. And, like, it's just great. I don't know. The work that he's done on that specific part, like, the wild storm kind of place, <laughs> like, in D.C. or whatever, that it's always really good. And I think that this was just kind of a continuation of that that just got better and better as it went along. And he got to bring back Apollo in a different way or yeah I don't (laughs) okay don't tell me (laughs) yeah I can't (laughs) um so was this the end of the era for Jason Aaron Thor stuff I think so right yeah uh it's currently in it's like epilogue with King Thor which Mm -hmm. is the future Thor story but uh his main Thor story is ended that that sounds, like, King Thor sort of sounds like King Conan, which is sort of one of the last periods of the Conan saga. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it, except it's like several billion years in the future. Oh, cool. <laughs> so there's basically nothing but um, Thor, his granddaughters, Loki, and the God Butcher left, and they're all battling it out to see if maybe we can restart life in the universe again, or if everything will end. Speak. It's good. Speaking of Loki, Loki was one of the canceled series that I really liked and that I'm still not over being canceled. Uh, I, I interviewed Daniel Kibblesmith on the show uh, earlier in the in the summer, and um, I just really enjoyed that series. Uh, and it shall be missed. I am pouring one out. <laughs> Chingy, you listed a number of. I had a hard comics. year. <laughs> I had a year. I had a hard year of comics. I liked getting canceled. Um, I mean, yeah, I have two categories of uh, best series endings and best series that shouldn't have ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Thor is one of the ones that I thought ended really well. I read the entire run actually this year and just like the continuity of it all and the like like callbacks were all so great. I thought it brought so much comedy to it. Um, some of the ones... Like, let's see, Saladin Ahmed's Exiles ended this mm. year. Mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. if anybody was reading that. Yes. He's so good. 
That was, it so, was so great. Fun. Every issue. God. I that is the original Exiles. It was like one of the first comic books I read, which definitely will age me. Uh, it's fine. Uh, Not really. But like, I'm still young. Like I, really. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's what I'm saying. It's showing that I'm very, very young. Uh, but yeah, Exiles. This one I liked almost more. I mean, it's just multiversal versions of so many favorite heroes, while also being led by Blink from the original Exiles. It was just such a fun book. And I thought that given the short time it had with us, uh, Ahmed did a great job with it and ending it. Um, to, I mean, like, I get it. You got to go on and write Miles Morales and Kamala Khan, but I wanted him to keep writing that. I love uh, having Blink be Bahamanian, like centering her in a particular like world culture and one that we hadn't just seen enough of in comics either and like she specifically before was from the bahamas but like now they actually made her like gave her features of bahamanians yeah uh and then uh what other series that i love were taken from me west coast avengers Mm -hmm. uh which was the the most fun team book along with exiles for me uh I get it, they're like more niche books, but it's just such a fun team of having Gwenpool, Quentin Quire, hmm. uh, both Hawkeyes. Mm-hmm. I'm like, who am I? For? Oh, and America. America it was yeah. just, it was, it was such a funny book and yeah. uh, cut you, short. Have you enjoyed the and other Kelly Quint- Thompson stuff that you've read? Because I really loved yeah. uh, Captain Marvel this year. I think was one of the better series. And I just read Deadpool number one. And that was amazing. So I'm glad that she's doing other stuff. But West Coast. Yeah, it feels like a lot of the writers writing books I liked had to go write the bigger things. Yeah. Uh, I have liked it. what I've read of Captain Marvel. I think it's really interesting. The current arc is... I, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, it's so fun. Uh, Kelly Thompson's generally brilliant. What's the current arc? Uh, Captain Marvel. Yes. Captain Marvel is Avenger. killing the other Avengers. Yes, it's fun. She uh, has to kill multiple Avengers. And right before they had that, there was that arc that had uh, Captain Marvel and Stephen Strange switched bodies, and then they were both so arrogant and terrible that they like wouldn't help the other one like get out, and Natasha uh, was, like, Black Widow was stuck mm-hmm. with them, and was just like, this is the worst, most terrible nightmare I've ever been a part of. Wasn't <laughs> like, that their War of the Realms tie-in? Uh-huh, yep. Yeah, because Enchantress, it was, it's, yeah, it was... Enchantress so much, and she Kelly was so Thompson good in that. has a great voice for comedy. I haven't read Deadpool yet. I am so excited good. to read it. Um, let's see. Well, uh, Superior Spider-Man ended, and I was not happy about the ending. Um, I'm, like, I think Christos Gage and Mike Hawthorne did an amazing job with that series. Uh, I mean, Christos Gage had been with it since uh, he was like co-writing with Dan Slott. And I just, there's been a lot of like status quo returns of like villains who are like starting to dabble in being good. And it's, Mm. it's just like, it's something that is so clearly editorial rather than like creator choice. uh, That's frustrating. Yeah, I, I enjoyed Superior Spider-Man a lot, and uh, yeah, shout out to Mike Hawthorne, who's 
um, makes several appearances at my store, and he's a great guy. I've actually had several conversations with him, so I was very happy to read uh, a book that was utilizing his artistic talents to their fullest extent. So, so yeah, if you're a fan of Doc Ock, uh, definitely read uh, Spirit. So that was the that was the Doc Ock based Spider Man book. Yeah, it's Otto Octavius yeah. as Spider Man, uh, and but now he's like has his own body, uh, but like it's a young body um and or it was uh anyway but yeah it was a really good story i actually very rarely do i cry while reading comics i cried several times throughout that story it was it was a really sweet book surprisingly sweet book for being about dr octopus (laughs) yeah you you got Doc Ock monologuing and sweetness. It was yeah. pretty amazing. Unexpected. The die is cast. <laughs> um, one category uh, I want to go to is the best graphic novel. I really wanted to read Snow Glass Apples because Colleen Doran is a goddess. Uh, and I was actually not able yes. to grab a copy of it. Like a Snow White kind of thing? Or what, what what's up with yeah. it? Yeah, it's... It's sort of a flipped Snow White story where you're seeing it from the, the quote-unquote evil queen's perspective, and the sort of like uh, fairy tale nightmare that Neil Gaiman tells in in the story is really terrifying. But yeah, Colleen Duran is the star of this graphic novel. Like the thing she does, the the sort of like. 19th century illustrations that she brings up and it's worth it if you're a fan of hers the book itself is worth it for the afterward where she talks about how she kind of utilized um like aubrey beardsley and harry clark uh, 19th century illustrators uh in in ways that she hadn't done before so to see her you know she she has she owes nobody anything at this point in her in her career but she's still taking on new influences using her art in different ways and so to see her just sort of put out this master stroke of a graphic novel is really sort of like thrilling uh yeah i highly recommend snow glass apples what's pumpkin hands oh that's um faith aaron hicks and rainbow rowell's collaboration Uh, it's a great uh, young adult uh autumn themed romance uh these two teenagers have been working at a sort of um autumn land kind of park uh every year of their high school career you know you can go on go, go, go on hay rides car pumpkins that kind of thing um but their last day before they go off to college they decide to stop working and go on an, an adventure and fun and romance awaits and there is bisexual representation in this book right it's not even that <laughs> speaking of queer teens laura dean keeps breaking up with me it was like one of the biggest graphic novel conversations I'd heard this year and I actually haven't read it yet and I feel bad for it I want to hear about it Chinky tell me uh it's beautiful it's about getting out of toxic relationships uh it's by Mariko Tamaki who's did skim and this one summer and recently has been doing she had that she-hulk run uh she just finished her x23 run which I also loved she has just such a great voice for uh, young women and like understanding their, I mean, like internal feelings and communicating them. 
it's it's a really great young adult book. I highly recommend it. And she also wrote that Harley Quinn Breaking Glass book, right? Yeah. I mean to read that. I have not, but it looks very good and critics have been loving it. Yeah, that's a really good Poison Ivy. Yeah, I think Mariko Tamaki is like one of the best voices in like young adult comics. I, I love her. She is. I was going to say too, I didn't add it to the list, but did anybody else read uh, When I Arrived at the Castle? I've not read that yet. No. By Emily Carroll, who did Through the Woods. A lot of oh, horror God. fans really big into that. Um, and it's kind of like a lesbian vampire story, which Sold. is something. Yes, I'm here for it <laughs> already. But uh, yeah, it's so good because Through the Woods kind of had this just bizarre kind of outside of storytelling way of looking at stories and the purpose that they serve and why scary stories are so important and good. Uh, and when I arrived at the castle was kind of just that an extension of that. And if you look at the book, it's just unbelievably beautiful. The art is so gorgeous. So I highly recommend that one. Awesome. Thank you. And apparently there's some bizarre adventure that is happening. Okay, so my stance is that uh, long-awaited releases of Japanese manga uh, in English releases uh, counts as best graphic novels, and I picked JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, uh, which is a it's a comic that's been going on since the 80s, and we just got the uh, English release of the fourth part of it. You don't need, have, need to have read the prior parts. Um, hmm. It's very hard to explain as the title would indicate, it's just a really weird shonen manga series where people battle using weird powers and weirder ingenuity. Um, and they're all dressed like teddy boys, which is entertaining. Yes, they, yes, they are. This one's set in a small town in Morio, Japan, while like some of the previous and following uh, JoJo series were all about like big battles with like giant uh cataclysmic forces this is pretty much like a small town comedy with action in it uh and magic powers it's great and serial killers there's serial killers in it um speaking of serial killers i guess i I should have mentioned i you know it was released as cynical issues but now it's all in one big trade i really enjoyed assassination from erica henderson which is basically like an Erica Henderson style Hong Kong action shoot 'em up with writer Kyle Starks. And it is, um, ended up having some emotional resonance I didn't expect, but was just really a lot of fun and crazy and entertaining. Uh, and that was out from Image. Um, you know, there's, I, we haven't talked about the X Men relaunch because I think it goes without saying that we're like, holy fuck, head over heels interested in it. And we covered it on the show already and we will be continuing to cover it. But yes, the X Men relaunch is a big deal and a good opportunity to return to X Men if you haven't. Uh, I especially hadn't been reading them at all. And now I am reading kind of all of them. Um, and uh, one of the things I want to hit up. Uh, I also wanted to sort of ask, is there's this an ongoing series that I've been meaning to read and I had it and feels really significant. Um, it seems like a lot of you guys have been reading Tanisi Coates' Captain America. What do you guys think about it? Okay. It's okay. I agree. 
Yeah, I, like it seems like it's dragging its feet. It's still stuck in the like hydra cap, like wake. Oh man! And I'm just like, damn you, I'm Mark. Like, all right, damn you, Ugh. Nick Spencer. Why? I enjoyed the first couple arcs of it, uh, and lately, I, it's kind of been like boring me a little bit. I like really want to like it more right now. I think the most interesting recent issue was like one where. Steve uh, goes to the border and it became yeah so like that was in a time when people are like oh politics shouldn't be in comics it was Hmm. yeah but the thing is Nick Spencer did that when he was writing Sam Wilson yeah Yeah, that was that was yeah that was like the best thing thing Nick Spencer's ever done is when and and that was Sam Wilson's idea he didn't have to have his feet dragged there he was like no I'm gonna beat up some minutes and it was great yeah I think that it's really good but I also think that it's such it has to be making its point really hard right now because we're all still a little bit mad I guess (laughs) at Steve Mm -hmm. for uh Hydra and I know that that really in the end wasn't so much his fault, but like, good God. And yeah, so I think that the series definitely is having to reestablish itself a lot. Uh, so it does get a little bit repetitive. I still think it's a really good series. I've been pretty enjoy. I've been enjoying it. Um, like for me as a, as a reader, it felt so weird because after the Secret Empire story that we had that like 12 issue run with Mark Wade. I loved that. It was... Yeah, I really did too, but it felt like, okay, this is us washing our mouths out yeah. with the like, sort of like squeaky clean Mark Wade version of Captain America, and then after that we can go on with our ongoing series. But when Tanazi Coates took over, then he started reckoning with the Hydra Cap stuff, and so it, it felt like almost a regression of the character. Um, but I, yeah, I still like it, but I, I, I would just wish I liked it more. I, need it, I think I just need it to pick up a little bit. So one of the comics that everybody is talking about is the Immortal Hulk. I've not read it yet, but people are head over heels. Talk to me, people. Uh, it's just a like solid horror comic all the way through and does manage to bring up political themes throughout it. The latest issue was definitely political and about like the evil of capitalism. Um, Bennett's art is like, consistently reminds me of like old classic horror horror pulp covers and like Ewing's take on Big Green's like bunch of different personalities is so fun to watch play out I think it's just a solid series yeah and and the book is smart enough in his politics like you know Bruce Banner goes on a rant about you know the evils of capitalism and then another character is a, is able to say like, all right, you know, rich white man, who the fuck are you to lecture the world about politics? Uh, um, but yeah, and the book like it goes from horror to quoting from Zoroastrianism. Like it's so strange sometimes. The Hulk went to hell like, this year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's horror. It's philosophical. It's political. Yeah, I love Immortal Hulk. So there's a lot of series that are still chugging away, kicking ass, um, that folks are excited about. Like, I hear Venom is still doing good things. Talk to me, Chinky. Uh, I really liked Venom this year. Uh, I had been reading it a little bit before, but it really, aside from the War of the Realms tie-in, uh, I thought it was perfect. Uh, 
I mean, the absolute carnage event kind of like went a little all over the place towards the end, but the like singular story of like Eddie Brock and his symbiote and this year his son has been so really engrossing to watch. It like deals with uh, child abuse and trauma and PTSD and all these things that I just think I, I really think Kate was one of my favorite writers this year. Uh, and Venom is where it's most apparent. And apparently there was some symbiote dinosaurs making out or am I projecting? Like, were there symbiote dinosaurs making out? I, I feel like Leah Williams in... was behind that. Yeah, that was a Leah Williams. Oh yeah, that, 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 that did happen. That <laughs> yeah. would be something Leah made, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was... Okay, but that wasn't in Venom. That was just something... Yeah, it was one of the tie-ins for Absolute Carnage. Um, Yeah, I also really appreciate the way that uh, Kate's uh, views the symbiote's relationship to Eddie and how it is like a romantic relationship that can sometimes be abusive. Uh, So framing it that way has been really interesting to watch. Um. What is House of Whispers, Sarah? Oh, that is a Sandman universe story. And it is by Nalo Hopkinson, who is also an author of kind of horror books, essentially. I, I'm kind of struggling to put them in just like one genre, but I would say horror. Uh, this comic is definitely a horror comic, and it is very good. I haven't been excited about the Sandman in a really long time, um, probably since I was maybe 20 or something. And, um, like, the other stuff is good. I really enjoyed, like, the dreaming. I enjoy a lot of the extended universe stuff, but it is something that I kind of read casually, I guess. Whereas House of Whispers has been one where I just have to pick it up because it kind of, it's tapping into different gods and talking, I mean, obviously, like, you know, it's talking from, like, a black perspective, so you're seeing, like, a lot of African gods and things like that, and... Oh, cool. Oh, it's brilliant. Like, it's so underrated. To me, it's, like, one of the best series this year. It's one of the best series last year. Uh, it's, like, just honestly, like, one of the b- very best Sandman stories I've ever read. And, yeah, it just kind of, like, you have these different characters that are just so, so interesting. Like, there's a crocodile god who just kind of, like, shows up, and... Um, is like beautiful you know like you kind of think he's gonna be the worst and then he's kind of terrible but beautiful and that's a lot of the story there's the you know queer representation there's two teen girls one of them uh doesn't feel things anymore like she loses the ability she's essentially like a dead person but she's walking and her girlfriend Mm. is trying to adjust to that (laughs) and deal with it she has little sisters they're a big part of the story like it's all the kind of scope that you get out of a Sandman story, but it's through a different perspective that to me is just wildly interesting and good and uh, just from one of the best writers that I've ever read in my life. Who's the writer on this? Nalo Hopkinson. Awesome. She did a book called The Salt Roads, which was just so good and devastating. Um. Runaways, I meant to check out and have not. I mean, Chris Anka art is always an easy sell for me, but um, folk, folks are still into Runaways. I love Runaways. Uh, Chris Anka transitioned out of it, and uh, Andreas Genolet, I believe, uh, is the new artist, and their styles are 
fairly similar. Uh, I've, it's just a fun story about heroes that don't want to be heroes and then maybe kind of want to be heroes and really about growing up more than anything. Um, yeah. I, I've really enjoyed it. I really enjoy uh, the love stories in there and just like the characters communicating about all their insecurities. Uh, it's fun. Speaking of teenage love stories, I am still here for Raven the Pirate Princess, which is from Action Lab, um, written by uh, Jeremy Whitley and some really cool artists. It's still the like soap opera teen girls who are all queer and are pirates. And I just, whenever I'm reading it, I'm like, boy, I wish I had this as a kid next page. But like, I'm still like enjoying it, of course, a ton as a grown up. Um, but if you like your comics, like super soap opera y relationship driven, but like really astute about feminist stuff, um, this is this is totally there. Like, it's infinitely memeable. Like, there's so many pages where you're like, yes, this, uh, and um, and I'm really over invested in the romantic well being of these teenagers. I admit that, <laughs> despite my decrepit age. <laughs> Um, is there anything else we want to make sure we hit up from ongoing series before we get into the uh, the stuff for upcoming upcoming things? I like uh, Jason Aaron's Avengers a lot. I think it's a really... I, I think Marvel's been doing a lot of fun teams, and I think this Avengers team is... It's got my wife She-Hulk on it. It's got Robbie Ray's. It's got Blade. It ha- yeah. the, the addition of Blade just made it that much more of a fun ragtag team uh, that I love. Yeah, um, Strike Force too has Blade, and that's a really good book too. Yeah, Strike Force is. I've also been enjoying the issues of Strike Force that I've read so far. Yeah, I have this problem whenever year end stuff comes up where I'm like, which Teeny Howard book am I going to put on this list? And it's always really hard. I think this year I chose Strike Force. <laughs> Oh yeah, I just saw that. Yeah, that oh, book is a lot and of fun. it looks yeah. cool. Timmy Howard is. I just. I mean, I was sad to I see that they had Angela, Angela and no Sarah in it because. But they Sorry, have Satana, who she totally makes out with. <laughs> so they have Satana, oh, who wait, she so makes out with. Angela so, makes out I mean, with I mean, Satana. Sarah's great too. Okay, so it's good that Angela's making yes. out with Satana. But it's not okay that Sarah, who is the best new comic book character of the decade, has still been shunted off to the moon. Um, which is not okay because she's Sarah's the best because we all need a bard and also she's amazing and like one of the only trans characters in comics so of course they shunted her to the moon fucking bullshit but anyway so yeah I I, I just Strike Force kind of just came to my notice and it looked pretty darn cool Um, you know Death's Head I want to keep up on that that looked really fun it was a mini series yeah, that, that was fun um, but uh, last uh, for, uh, ongoing for me, uh, Criminal oh, yeah. is back. You know, from Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Uh, it's 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 Criminal. It's Ed Brubaker. Like it's it's great. Um, they even had sort of a behind the scenes comic book industry story that was fantastic. Uh, and again, it's one of the best value purchases in comics because there's always a, some great commentary by Ed Brubaker in, in the back matter and a great uh, film noir essay by film critic Kim Morgan. So yeah, it's it's criminal. Um, it's great cr- crime noir. Awesome. 
So in the new year, we have a lot of really big new comics coming up um, that everybody is excited for. I uh, was actually able to get an early look at the new James Bond comic from Vita Ayala, Danny Lore, and... Crap, I'm forgetting the artist. I will get that information now. Um, uh, but it's exciting to me to see, like, a, like, black queer writing team getting James Bond and, you know, the story, the, the story sort of starts off looking at some art thief and art thievery is a lot of fun and as <laughs> a fun place to set it off. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That I'm so I've, excited like, for bothered. this series. I didn't. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's great to see them on this together. James, yeah, sorry. It's, um, artist is Gap Gasper and the art looks pretty good um yeah yeah it's it's a lot of fun uh it feels very different from anything they've been publishing as James Bond for a while like I've I've loved a lot of the stuff actually recently from James Bond especially the Felix Slatter miniseries from one or two years ago um but it's this is just kind of a new direction I think the uh the the brand needed as far as comic books go so it's 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 a new take and yeah i wanted Speaking to of new take. That, oh yeah sorry i wanted to note that uh the xena series that vita yellow did this year was incredible and also queen of bad dreams by danny lore was incredible so the idea of those two making a comic together uh past quarter killers is gonna be so good oh yeah and quarter killers is awesome also yeah, highly Thank recommend the others, later. though, because they're all so good. Um, I've definitely been uh, really excited about the Stardust Ray Guns and Moon Age Daydreams from Team Alred and uh, Steve Horton. Uh, obviously, I'm a huge Bowie fan, and we'll be having Steve on the podcast in the upcoming future. But, like, the Alreds are, like, the artist to be drawing David Bowie stuff, so... Yeah, the second I realized it was happening, I was sold. I love yeah. David Bowie. I love the All Reds. I love the idea of them drawing David Bowie. And they're like a real Bowie fans, you know what I mean? This is yeah. not like they get randomly attached to it. Um, speaking of people being real fans of the thing that they finally get to write, Leia Williams is going to be getting an X book as part of Dawn of X. Take it away, Chingy. I mean, I don't know that much about it. We don't know that much about it in general, but I'm just more, I'm so excited about more Dawn of X. Uh, what we've seen so far has been fun. It hasn't been completely consistent, but you have a bunch of voices basically doing a writer's room of like a singular like comic story that also divides several different ways. Um, I'm just, yeah, I know there's going to be, a, they said there's going to be a Moira book. Uh, Excalibur's been great so far. It has. Marauders has been great story-wise, uh, <laughs> not so much colorist-wise. Yeah. Um, and I actually really, I'm really enjoying uh, the main X-Men story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just excited to see more stuff. And Vita Ayala is supposed to have an X-Book. Woohoo! And we're getting a Jean Grey Emma Frost story, which is a top for top love story. I'm into it. 
Uh, I'm, I also don't know if this is going to happen, but I want Destiny to come back to life every yeah, day. Yeah, bring back Mystique's wife, y'all. Day. <laughs> yeah, I day. I wake up in the morning wife. and I'm like, maybe today's the day. <laughs> I mean, this year was the year that we finally got Mystique and Destiny kiss on panel. I know, but they did it the same way they always do it, where they're just like, hey, you can do this, like in the beginning of this like history comic and like all of that so as much as i was unbelievably stoked about that i was also just like (laughs) yeah what i really am hesitantly hoping for is that dawn of x will stop like joking and hinting and more like show actual like gay romance in its books or like yeah, than that would be great. Mystique, who had to wait thirty years after M- Destiny's death to have a kiss on panel. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking bullshit. It is. <laughs> Speaking of things that are actually queer, um, one of the pieces I'm really looking forward to reading is Hestia, um, which is a self-published graphic novel that I think is going to be out this year from Celine Loop. And Celine does really beautiful art, and it is a, like, I guess it's like a erotica romance graphic novel um, that takes place in ancient Greece. Sold. Yeah. Sold, yeah. yeah. That yeah. sounds great. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff that's coming out self-published, you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of good projects, and you can just support them right away. Uh, the Immortal Bro from Hannah Blumenreich, Hannah Blumenreich of like Spider-Man zine fame. Um, I don't know when exactly that's going to be out, but I can't wait to read that. That's like Highlander, but frat boys, but gay. Um, I mean, that's like a cool freaking concept. Um, we have, however, we we do actually get a Suicide Squad relaunch this upcoming year that I am really excited for as well. The creative team is Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo, and um, they've created a new non-binary character to be in the team. One of the characters is like totally like big butch woman. I'm excited about that. What? And yeah, yeah, yeah. No, seriously, go look at the character design. Yeah, I'm like on my iPad right now. I'm like, what? Yeah. Um, you know, Tom Taylor has got a really good track record as far as I've read. I really enjoyed his Wolverine stuff. The art on this looks yeah. really nice. And I love me a Suicide Squad book. So um, that that's one of the sort of mainstream titles that I'm excited about. And, you know, like as per usual, like who gets to introduce the new non-binary character? It's a straight man. But yeah. it also seems like a straight man who's been doing his homework. So. Yes. But it does not go without notice that it's mostly straight men who get to introduce queer things into the mainstream comics. Mm-hmm. Although on the other end, what's really cool is Sophie Campbell. She is apparently launching a new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series. Yes. Talk to me, Sarah. Oh my God. <laughs> I've been losing my mind about this because it was announced a few months ago. And I like if if people have fallen off of uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it's really good right now. Uh, not just... Um, as a lead up to something else like right now it's brilliant and urban legends teenage mutant ninja turtles urban legends has been just so so good also so i highly recommend everything that's happening right now but the idea of sophie campbell coming in is great because obviously 
all of the representation reasons, but definitely too because like all of the great storytelling. Because obviously Sophie Campbell did Wet Moon, um, but also there was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles maxi series, I believe, or mini series last year, and it was. Uh, one of the turtles got a story each one of the turtles got a story and sophie campbell did the leonardo story and that was beautiful just absolutely Mm. breathtaking and so the idea of that becoming an entire series right now is something that i am extremely excited about and she is drawing it and writing it from what i am aware that's what happened with the last like the leonardo comic cool yes i love love that work so speaking of drawing and writing jamie mckelvey of wikdiv and uh phonogram and young avengers and generally like the chief co-conspirator with kieran gillen jamie mckelvey uh he has a new comic coming out from image that is a hardcore space comic um that is going to be coming in the spring i think um i just had this open sorry hold on one second I'll be cutting this out. <laughs> Load, motherfucker. <laughs> you should leave that part in, though. <laughs> yeah, yes, leave, leave the it. load, motherfucker, in. <laughs> That's essential to the story, to the narrative. <laughs> Fucking Gizmodo. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, so Jamie McKelvey's new series with colors by Matt Wilson. Again, like, these are total perfect, like, Lennon and McCartney comics guys, um, is doing The Killing Horizon, which looks like a deep space science fiction book. Um, We've been promised that there's going to be new interesting stuff happening in the art, um, you know, that Jamie is looking to explore because he's, you know, pretty much been doing stuff in a consistent style on Wiktiv because like it's been a very complete story. Uh, And I haven't really seen any preview art for the new series. And I'm curious to see, you know, like how his art might develop and change over time. Um, I mean, I think his art is perfect exactly as it is, but I'm applauding people developing new style and looking forward to seeing that. And speaking of space, N.K. Jemison is doing Green Lantern Far Space. Uh, far Sector. Far Sector. <laughs> Farscape. Far, a, green la- a Green Lantern who is far away in space. Sarah, what do we know about this Green Lantern? I personally have been trying really hard not to know anything about it because I'm so excited about this and I hate Green Lantern so much. So it's been (laughs) one of those stories where I, you know, like space cops. No, 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 no. I don't enjoy it. I don't like Hal Hal Jordan. (laughs) I was going to call him Hal Gordon, which is how much I don't like him. Um, Like just not a fan of this guy. And so just seeing that you know, a writer that I really love is about ready to do a take and actually have like, oh, you know, like a little bit of freaking diversity in this terror, like this kind of like long going story that just is mostly still based around like, you know, six white dudes or whatever. And initially it was hard for me uh, uh, to get people to sign up to get this book. But once it came out, people were like, oh, uh, this is really great. And we sold out of it very quickly. So their response has been very positive. It's really pretty. I saw some of the art and it looks gorgeous. It looks so beautiful. One of the comics that I'm excited to check out is Anne Nocenti, a.k.a. the best Daredevil writer. Um, She has a new series called Ruby Falls that's a noir coming out from Burger Books. And uh, I am really looking forward to reading it, but I do not know very much yet. 
Yeah, but thank God. I mean, it's been such a long time, I think, since I've seen, um, like, kind of a spot, like, kind of any kind of spotlight, really, for Innocenti. So it's really good to see that there's going to be a new series from her. Uh, I think, like, the last thing I read was, like, the Joker's daughter one shot, which was rough. But you could tell that it was, like, New 52 era, so it's, like, you know, whose fault hmm. is it, I guess? Um, yeah, like, a lot of things alive. were rough back wow. then. Everything yeah. was so uh, edgelord, like, through the entire thing, like, to, like, just the most bonkers level <laughs> that it was. Like. But they were doing that stuff in, like, the main Batman books, too. Like, you know, Joker mm. doesn't have a face. Like, he safety pinned it on. Like, he's, like, that tough or whatever. And then it just extended. So this is nothing. <laughs> I hope that this <laughs> is nothing like that. Um, but I am excited about this just because it's been a hell of a long time since I was able to read a good new No Senti story. Yeah, she's a genius and doesn't get recognized enough, and I wonder why. Like, I feel like half the time when people think there's this brilliant old Daredevil story yeah. that they assume is by Frank Miller, it's actually by Anne Nocenti. That's 100% true. I think that that's completely true. And also, the politics of Nocenti, I think, are going to be really interesting to read, because, you know, in the 80s, <laughs> like, Nocenti mm. was, you know, kind of radical, I think, and so the idea of reading how that's you know, changed, I guess, uh, and how much it hasn't changed and what she thinks of things now, I think is going to be excellent. If, so if that's, good. yeah, that theme really does run through Ruby Falls and a lot of the plot revolves around how nobody listens, listens to women. Uh, so oh, it's, well, seems, seems relatable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's good. And, and I'm not aware of any real innocent story from like an independent publisher or an original property. So it's really cool to see her kind of create her own world. Um, we're also going to be getting Dr. Strange, the end. This is a Leah Williams book that I do know things about. Um, so last year, Leah Williams wrote, uh, what if magic which was basically what if magic Ileana rasputin uh became the sorcerer supreme so and good. she's confirmed that this is a direct sequel to that uh it's just a one shot no. but the way it was my favorite comic of last year and felipe andrade's art is just so perfect for it i'm very excited What else are we excited for that's coming out, guys? Um, the uh, in my Zdarsky fandom, uh, uh, X Men Fantastic Four miniseries with art by uh, the Dodsons, who are are doing interiors for the first time in a while. Uh, so I'm very much looking forward to that. The the art and the writer sound great to me. The concept, I'm like curious about. Yeah, but I th I'm. I'm up for anything, any weird takes that Arsky has on any weird combination of characters or plot. Agreed. I mean, his his description of Invaders, it was, read this if you like Namor and think Professor Xavier is a dick. And I was yeah. like, sold. That's us. Yeah. It. A good summation of our interests. Um, and I guess another good summation of our interests is another actual awesome self-published title um which is reversal uh, it's on patreon from alex DeCampi, and um the artist is kelly fitzpatrick and sky partridge and it's 
a YA urban fantasy with like a young brown disabled totally badass smart like young teenager who actually sounds and reads like a young teenager um story that uh i think is going to appeal to it's definitely like for older than like the um i feel like the kids who might have enjoyed moon girl like maybe graduate to this do you know what i mean like this is the next the next level for them and um you know you come coming directly from like the creator team themselves you know so you can go and get it online through the Patreon from Alex DeCampi. Shout out to three more rising artists who have had an amazing year and doing big things in the next year. We want to say hello to Nick Robles. He's been a guest on the show before. He's done beautiful art for Dr. Mirage and is going to be working on the dreaming for uh, Neil Gaiman in the upcoming year. And to friend of the show, B. Khan, a.k.a. Ben Khan, and uh, their art, artistic partner, uh, Bruno Hidalgo, their series, Griffin, Galaxy's Most Wanted, just came out this year and was a blast. And I found out they're going to be continuing it, so there'll be more to come. And so those are some of the rising talents I want to make sure folks are checking out as well. And uh, is there anything we haven't talked about yet, or do we want to wrap um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's, that's all I got, I think. I'm excited about all of the stuff that I'm already reading. Like, I'm probably going to keep reading Ghost Rider and stuff like that and see how that plays mm-hmm. out. Uh, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, I'm excited to keep reading X-Men stuff. And mainly, I mean, most of my picks were Marvel things because I mostly read Marvel. Uh, and I'm just really excited to see what happens in the new year. This outlawed story that was just announced sounds interesting. I think that's, is that e-viewing again? Yeah, e-viewing writing with Kim Jacinto on the art. I'm excited for that. Uh, Although they described it as Civil War-esque, so I'm like hesitantly excited. But you know that the politics won't be dumb if Eve's doing it. Yeah, I I do. (laughs) It does seem seem like uh, this year especially, Marvel started stepping away from like younger heroes like a lot like with uh the with uh Squirrel Girl ending with uh Moon Girl ending and Champions too just a lot of like their younger hero stories are ending and this is sounding like younger heroes are outlawed so I'm wondering if it's like a part of an editorial decision or I don't know I'm curious that is a really interesting question. And uh, yeah, I think like a political comic from someone who actually has done real thinking about these things is always going to be better than a person who's just pulling it out of their ass. Yeah. So excited to read that too. And someone who is like great at writing, like yes. teenagers excited for that. Yes. Well, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, let's like tell our listeners where they can best find your work. Chingy. Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram as the gay chingy. Um, and yeah, I write for a bunch of websites. So follow me on one of those sites and I post updates. Update. Chingy has told us that she is going to be publishing under her first name moving forward, which is Nia. That's N-E-A. 
so look for the byline Nia Chingi or Chingi Nia, and her Twitter handle remains T H E G A Y C H I N G Y, the gay Chingi. John, where are you on the internet? I am at Quasar Sniffer on Twitter and Instagram, where I post about comic books and movies and uh, make really stupid jokes and rage about uh, politics. Fair enough. And Sarah, you have a new zine coming real soon. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I have like a lot going on. Um, so, uh, uh, so yeah, I have a new zine. It's going to be a film criticism anthology because I just kept getting mad about uh, just it all being like tenured professors were writing for like Criterion <laughs> and stuff like that. So I just wanted to hit up like people who like talk about Agnes Varda movies, but like also were homeless at one point in their life and like that kind of stuff. Um, so oh, wow. that one's called Film Fancy because I named it after Cat Fancy, the cat magazine of my youth. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, that one and all of my other zines are on the Gumroad. I have gumroad.com slash Sarah Century, which has one that's a bit about like my Inktober this year, which was all horror film based. And then I have a how to become a lesbian vampire movie, which is like the zine that made me famous. And like uh, just a bunch of stuff like that, basically. Well, this zine tell me how to become a lesbian vampire i mean it tells you how i became one so (laughs) hopefully it can help i'm pretty sure i already am a lesbian vampire but i will read just in case i've missed anything yeah you got to (laughs) there you go i don't have any hope of becoming a lesbian vampire but i will still read your zine there's still hope there's still i was gonna say it's john there's never it's not too late it's never too late um, well, thank you all for, for uh, joining the show. Thank you for our listeners for the extra long episode. I hope I've given you guys extra long list of comics that you definitely want to read. Um, graphic policy, you know, we put in some time and work getting to improve our audio quality. And if you have not reviewed our podcast yet on iTunes, we could, I would really appreciate some iTunes reviews. Uh, and, you know, obviously on any of the podcast platforms, I appreciate your reviews, but I don't think that there's been an iTunes review since we've upped our audio quality. So if you appreciate the work I've done to make that happen, come and tell the world how much you love the show. This is your host, Ilana Levin, aka Twitter's Ilana Brooklyn, easiest place to find me. And this show is at graphicpolicy.com. We're on every podcast platform under the sun, also as Graphic Policy. Uh, Coming up is going to be an in-depth look at V for Vendetta, the politics and the symbology of the comic and the movie and the mask that we see in protests on the streets from Hong Kong and all over the world. So excited to be bringing that to you real soon. And as we like to say, keep it geeky.